0: Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Howlin' Hoops podcast. I'm your host, Kyle Edwards, and is joining me again, as always, is my co-host, Thomas Smith. Today, we got some good things to talk about as far as you know, what happened with UNC, what happened with Louisville, and we'll give you guys a preview of Wake Forest and Virginia Tech for this upcoming week. Thomas uh how was your week last week?
1: Uh huh. not great, you know, that that UNC game was abysmal. Um we just there's so many things wrong that you know, the average fan I feel like is overlooking. Um and I really do think God, changes need to be made, for sure.
0: Yes, I think you and I are very,
1: we're we're very in sync
0: with our opinions on this. We we've got a lot to lot to talk about as far as as far as these last couple games went. So let's just let's just get into it. So Wednesday night we host Carolina. PNC's rocking. We're ready to rock and roll. And at least the fans were ready to rock and roll. But other than that, I don't think anybody else was. Considering the game got off to a pretty slow start. I mean, we didn't have our first TV timeout until almost under the 12 minute mark, I think, which was insane. So obviously guys are going to be gassed. And unfortunately, you know, State loses by 13 in the end, 67 to 54. You know, not a very good shooting night, as as people that were there witnessed. You know, when you take almost 70 shots and you make less than 20 of them, you're not going to win a whole lot of ball games. And nope. that was very frustrating as a fan to watch. It reminded me of... When I went to the Virginia Tech State game where we only scored 24 points.
1: God, I can't. Like, I, oh, I forgot about that game, but. Yeah, and I remember, that, I remember that, vividly
0: this, where I was. And it was. Yeah, cold. I do
1: too. And this Carolina game felt worse than that. It did. It did. It, it felt worse cra- than that's that. That's
0: the crazy thing about it.
1: Oh, my God. Oh, just poor shooting.
0: I mean, Truthfully, we did actually shoot pretty well from the free throw line. We got a lot more free throw attempts than I thought we were going to get. It it felt like you know, it feels like always Carolina's getting the free throw attempts in games late and throughout the game getting all the calls. But we actually got one more free throw attempt more than Carolina did, which was in my in pretty pretty shocking. I'm not going to lie,
1: but well, some of that is the fact that. They were playing solid defense and we were um, just, you know, giving up wide open dunks and layups, Um, you know, and we got the flagrant from Baycott and Mm -hmm. stuff like that that led to some of those free throw attempts. But at half, I believe we were they had two free throw attempts to our 12. So we gave up about 18 in the second half, which didn't help us.
0: Right no, and we ended up losing by thirteen. So a lot of that kind of, I and that's the thing is that when you mentioned that Baycott flagrant, r- watching that again, I was sitting around some people that were like totally up in arms about how they were just super excited that he got a flagrant foul, and I was looking at the replay. I'm like, oh. Our good old boy Benny Boy, he he flopped. He he sold that thing pretty
1: well, and I he sold it. Nick. But but even still, when you're running down the court, you can't just two handed shove somebody. Albeit he did sell it. I mean, it's one thing if he's like giving him a little elbow, a little push, but mm-hmm. just a two hand shove them. and it was an ongoing thing. You know, the ref stopped the game a couple times. It uh, seemed like you know the players they caught and then. Our team were getting into it a couple times before that, so
0: that was, I guess, just
1: the icing on the cake. At that yeah, point. I mean, I was surprised he didn't get a technical when they were reviewing it because he went over to the officials twice during the reviewing process. Uh, I mean, not saying it should have been, but I was surprised it wasn't.
0: Yeah, it's very it's very surprising. I mean, we got it was it was an interesting part in the game where. It didn't make a whole lot of sense. It kind of it helped us a little bit oh. in momentum, but at the same time, it, we were already thing, shooting so poorly that it didn't even matter.
1: One thing that I was super confused about during the, all that is that Middlebrooks was forced to take the technical free throws, and he went one for two, the flagrant free throws. I couldn't, mm-hmm. I didn't understand why, because usually I thought you were allowed to um, pick who got to shoot them. Uh, I mean. Not that it really had that much impact on the game, like you said. Yeah, and yes,
0: you're right. It it didn't. But I will say, I think over the course of the season, Middlebrooks has been one of the more consistent free throw shooters on our team. Not bad. So maybe than... Keats was saying, "Hey, like it's okay. You can t- you can take the free throw shots because I think we needed some momentum." And then see, we still he still only went one for two, which is annoying, but. I mean, we got, we got out rebounded. I mean, we got out rebounded. We, I feel like we just really, we flat out got outplayed and out coached and yes, Carolina is a great team. They're a great team this year. They've been a great team, you know, besides last year, they they've been a great team for as long as we can remember. And they've got good players. They've got great coaches and, Some my biggest takeaway of this game was how people have always how Keats has always been preaching this philosophy of hey, we're gonna recruit these, you know, recruit these guys that are run and gun, fast-paced type of players, so that we can be efficient in transition and get fast break points and easy buckets here and there. But it was almost like his philosophy of his philosophy was it was flipped on our head by Carolina because Carolina you know they've always played that run and gun type of offense as well they play very fast paced and they get to the bucket easily and it looked like we didn't know how to play against that and for a guy who recruits people that are quick and fast on both offense and defense, we looked lethargic. we looked like we were defeated and we weren't getting back in transition, giving them easy opportunities to score. And that was more frustrating to me than shooting poorly. Cause obviously people are going to shoot poorly in the game. I've got no problem with people shooting poorly. It's going to happen. We're not going to have a great night. We got to figure out other ways to get a bucket. But the problem is, is if you're on offense and you're only passing the ball one or two times and then throwing up a prayer to the heavens, when it's most likely not going to go in, that bothers me more because it's just playing isolation ball and it's not involving all of your teammates to actually get a good high percentage shot. And so that's where the poor shooting percentage, I think, in my opinion, is that's where it's frustrating is because I know we have good shooters, but we don't have anybody that's really helping the off. The only guy that I can think of that's helping the offense run its course is O'Connell because he is the guy that's going to press up the ball. He's going to move without the ball. He's going to set a good example for other people to move without the ball. And then that way our offense can constantly be in motion, forcing the defense to work harder, but it doesn't seem like we do that very well. And it's it's, frankly, in my opinion, it's embarrassing to be doing that at the college level because it just looks like we're lost.
1: Yeah, and uh, you know, O'Connell showed that some of that in the in the Louisville game. Um, we'll sure. get to that, but yeah, I mean, I agree with you. Um, and some of the 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 getting outplayed by Keats's philosophy. When I was doing research for the Virginia Tech preview, um, we actually are 187th in the nation in pace of play, Um, which some of it comes down to Burns. It it does. Um, Mm -hmm. We can't play as fast as we want to with him on the court. And, I mean, I... At times, we love D.J. Burns, but I honestly think he's sometimes a hindrance to what we want to do. But yeah, I mean, we only force 10 turnovers, zero points off turnovers, and only four fast break points. And if we can't pressure the ball, force turnovers, and get easy baskets, we're not creating momentum. It makes us score in a half court, which we've shown that we're not good at I mean two out of five games in ACC play we've shot under 30% as a team and at some point we have to point fingers you know and Keats is allowing his players to take bad shots against UNC we took 12 long twos that is the worst shot in basketball it doesn't matter what level of basketball you're playing elementary school middle school high school college NBA the long two is the worst shot You can take And we don't have any ways to get Out of these shooting slumps um, You know Keith draws up keeps quote unquote drawing up a play is dumping it down to D, DJ and hoping he can score or Hope that he can um, You know Find an open Three when they when they double um, You know I was thinking about it and I I really like to see some actions where instead of DJ catching the ball out on the wing or down the post, we give it to him up at the high post, up on the elbow, and we utilize cutters and some backdoor actions and stuff like BYU did did against us. Um, I mean, they moved without the ball really well. And if we could figure out a way to do that, I mean, it would just unlock a different aspect to this offense. Um, And, yeah, I mean, just terrible performance both ends of the court. Um, You know, not getting back on defense. I, I guess I wouldn't say terrible on both ends of the court because defensively only giving up 67 points to UNC. I mean, they just put up 103
0: Right, you
1: know? yeah. So defensively, we, di- we did a, a good job in the half-court defense, but, you know, we'd get it down to two or three points, and then Seth Trimble would be wide open for a layup going down the other end, or they dribble the ball down the court. Just one one guy dribbled the ball all the way down the court off a of made basket, and that, that just can't happen.
0: No, no, it can't, especially at the college level. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you, get, you get so close, you cut the gap. And you got this momentum, and then you give up the easiest basket known to mankind. Yeah, and, and that and it wasn't
1: just momentum. once; it was like three or four times. Right. <laughs> yeah, and
0: especially against Carolina, you can't do that. The no. thing is, is, we we limited Baycott and R.J. Davis. It's just that, I yeah. I mean, if you told, so if, much
1: on them. If you told but, me that Baycott and R.J. Davis combined for twenty-five points, I told you we won by at least five. mm Hmm. Yeah, I mean at times this team is decent, you know, but majority of the time it is very frustrating. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I mean limiting limiting their best players, but then still coming up short.
1: And leaving. it's not like it's not like the games like last year when Clemson played us at home and uh what's his name? Brevin Galloway or
0: was oh, Braden, Braden Galloway. Uh huh.
1: I think it's Bradley.
0: Whatever his first name was.
1: Yeah, I mean, he, he was a solid ACC player, but he had twenty six points on eight of eleven shooting. They didn't. The Carolina didn't have a guy that went off in place of, you know, RJ and 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 Baycott struggling. I mean, I mean, Ingram had nineteen rebounds, but he didn't have a ton of points. I, I don't know. We're not on their level. I'll say that.
0: No, we're we're not, and it, it's tough to it's tough to admit that, but it's also easy to admit it from the performance that happened. So oh. it's we'll chalk it up to a, a loss. It was a frustrating game to witness, but you know we both went in. We both went in realistically, knowing that we most likely wouldn't beat them but if we could at least make it look like we weren't going to get blown out.
1: Well, coming out of that game, I was like we're going to lose to Louisville. I genuinely thought we were going to lo- go on the road and lose the Louisville after that after that Carolina game.
0: Uh yeah, I was not confident going in going into Saturday. No, not confident. Definitely not confident, but we did we did squeak out a 6-point victory against Against the Cardinals, eighty nine to eighty three. It was, it was a battle. We we were up early. We got a lot of momentum early. It was like the first game I think that we've actually started off hot.
1: It was the first game. Long. It was the. I, I'm pretty sure. I mean, I don't know the exact numbers, but I know you know Anderson and and Daniel like the that the first bet the opposing team first to 10 points they've hit it like I don't know a very high percent of the time so mm-hmm, right that was good to see us start start out hot I guess and the catalyst of it was Michael O'Connell mm-hmm. I mean the w- one thing I did like about that is that when they came when Keats uh, came out and said or I believe it was Keats that said that um horn was like 30 seconds late to a film session. Um, That's accountability. I like that. Um, Making sure, you know, everybody is doing their job on a nightly basis, on a daily basis, you know. I kind of like that. Um, But, yeah, I mean, O'Connor played great. Fantastic. And he showed that the ball moves when he's in the game.
0: Yeah, it's good because, like I said earlier, he seems like the only one on our team that's actually controlling the offense and making sure that everybody is where they need to be spacing-wise and then continuously move without the ball.
1: He's he's honestly great at moving without the ball. And it's contagious. It's contagious. When he passes the ball to DJ in the post and goes to sets a screen for, I don't know, Horn to come off uh and maybe just a little backside action basically mm-hmm. and then he always cuts right after it and he got a layup he got a, I know he got a layup in this game uh from that same action and he's the only one that does it you know when he's not in the game if we still did that we would be able to to get more open shots better opportunities
0: yeah we need to we really need to utilize him more because I think
1: he needs to be in the starting lineup.
0: Yeah, I mean, he, it's a, it's a. This game was a great argument to, for for that very point.
1: Because when he dude might out be of the half, out of the half, we were flat as heck. Because O'Connell wasn't in the game, and they came back. I don't remember the exact score we were up by, but we were up ten at half, I believe.
0: Yeah, I think it was about about ten. I think up.
1: we're yeah we're up we're nine.
0: Up, we're up nine.
1: Yeah, we're up nine. Like they cut it to I think they tied it or got it down to two. Keats calls a timeout. Put a, puts the call back in the game, and then we stretched it out to double digits. I mean, a lineup of. Michael O'Connell, D.J. Horn, Jaden Taylor, uh, and then either Casey or Dennis Parker and D.J. Burns. I think that's something that we're going to be trying out more in the future. I hope so,
0: because we need to get that offense rolling faster and faster. It can't be something we figure out right after halftime, like what it seems to be like every single game this year. And it drives me absolutely up the you-know-what wall.
1: And, And another thing is that, Having O'Connell in the game gave DJ Horn more opportunities to play off the ball. It gave Casey more opportunities to play off the ball, even though he shot the ball terribly um, this game. But it, it gets them out of the, you know, I have to create. Or he didn't shoot the ball that bad. I mean, five of ten. But um, it, it they force less shots, basically. Mm-hmm. They're in rhythm more often than not. Right, and only
0: having twenty three point shot attempts. That's from other games that we played this year. Does that doesn't feel like a whole lot? And making ten of those, it's it seems like we are actually able to get a good look. And obviously, this was a DJ Horn revenge game. From how poorly he shot against UNC, you know, our leading scorer twenty seven, six and nine from three. Like you know, he had his, his revenge game, and so it was good to see him kind of get back into what we were seeing before, before the Christmas break leading into 2024. It was great. It was great seeing that. Cause then now that's gonna, I feel like he can now get that, use that momentum that he had in this game and then project it now into our next couple games that we've got down the stretch.
1: Yeah. And it all wasn't good. This game. I mean, we allowed them to shoot 50% from the field when this season they're averaging about 42% from the field. Um, we only forced 10 turnovers against a team average, averaging 12.5 turnovers a game. And we also had 15 turnovers ourselves. I I think that might have been... That might have been the only game of the year... Nope, we didn't lost it against Carolina too. Or no, no we didn't. We won the turnover battle. That's the first game of the year. I think we lost the turnover battle.
0: Yeah, I think so. Because we we've been pretty consistent at not turning the ball over. It's just that we can't score the basket.
1: Yeah, we can't. Yeah, we can't put the ball in the basket, and then we can't turn the turnovers into fast break points. Mm-hmm. Only five fast breaks, fast break points. Um, and yeah, I mean that's a, that's another thing. Like the, the it's not working. It 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 is not going to work, it, or it hasn't been working um these next two games however are games where we really need to focus on pressuring the ball and turning them turning teams over because we'll we'll get into that later but that is something that we need to key into for sure Mm -hmm.
0: oh yeah i'm just very very thankful that we were able to get a good road win after after oh yeah a win's a win after
1: a unc home loss you
0: know that that was
1: we didn't let it affect us that's what like yeah We didn't let the UNC loss go into this game where then we would have picked up a horrible quad four loss. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think that's,
0: you know, when you do have some qualms with the Keats philosophy, I think that Keats philosophy also is very good at not letting one game kind of define who you are. And I think, I will say the one good thing that Keats does is he is able to get his guys to bounce back very quickly. Mm -hmm. And so I I don't, I'll not dog him for our team's ability to do that. Just that UNC game is, that was a whole different story, but I'm very glad, very glad he come out of there with a win. We we were able to keep Sky Clark in check, which was great. You know, let somebody else score besides him. Yeah. And they they had guys
1: who, who hit shots that normally don't hit shots. I mean, shooting 53% from three for a team that's just below yeah, exactly. almost 30% from three normally. So hats off to them, I guess, for hitting shots. And, you know, I wish we could have finished the game better where we win by, you know, 10 or 15 instead of making it a close one at the end of the game. But like we said, a win's a win. We're 4-1 in conference, 3-0 on the road, albeit against... I mean Boston College is pretty good, but the other two, Notre Dame and Louisville, two are seen in the conference. But again, we'll take it. We'll, we'll take,
0: take it. it. We'll take it. I, d- I just know uh, Tom, I know you and I are very much looking forward to when we when we play Carolina again. I know we're gonna want that revenge and I know our team's gonna want that revenge. And yeah, but
1: we going to the Dean Dome is gonna be tough. But yeah, going
0: to yeah, playing UNC on the road is never easy, but I know. When that time comes, I'm I'm praying to the Lord Almighty that State finally is just we're just gonna go insane. We're hopefully we're gonna be, wanted, we're gonna be out for blood, and it'll yep. be it'll be a good game. And I'm, I'm looking forward to when we play them again. So, I mean, other than that, I mean, we can now move on to Wake Forest. Unless you got something else you want to add?
1: Oh no, that's I mean that's it. That's all I got. to I. We want to forget about the UNC loss and move on?
0: Yep. yep. So good, good road win at Louisville, and we'll we'll go from there. So, so on Tuesday this week we play Wake Forest. Play them at home. It'll be a you know Wake is a very solid team again this year. We're uh, State's currently tied with them for second in the ACC at four and one. We're also both twelve and four. So this is going to be another highly anticipated matchup you know wake is a very solid solid quad 2 team and Steve Forbes as we all know is gonna use his demon deacons in any way that he sees fit to be able to put points on the board you know, they're they're averaging I think about 80, 80 points a game and so they will find a way to score and Steve Forbes is a very good coach who's very well respected it'll be it'll be a very good game I'm looking forward to it. As far as the total team stats this year, both Wake and State are fairly even matched in these categories. So that's in an, in another sense that's even extra going to make this game extra competitive, very back and forth, and you know want something a little more competitive than that UNC game. But having having Wake at home against their high powerful, high scoring offense having them at home and getting them that having a home court advantage, it will be, I think it will help us in a big way to start out the first time we play in this year, getting a little bit more momentum using this Louisville win as a good stepping stone and learning the areas that we need to focus on. Maybe having a better idea about who we start, i.e. Michael Mm O'Connell, but I think being able to use what we learned from the Louisville game on the road, I think this is a big opportunity to get this solid quad to win, boost our chances into making the tournament come March. We got to make sure that we use our strong suit, which is our defense to be able to prevent wake from be- being that high scoring offense that they've been all year and limiting their opportunities to get the ball in the basket.
1: Yeah. Um, Wake's currently 45 in that Um I could definitely see them jumping up inside the top 30 this year to give us a quad one win. So yeah, this is a big 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 chance for us to to maybe pick up a quad one game. Um because Wake still isn't healthy and they're one of the best teams in the ACC for sure. They have one of the best starting fives in the country. Um and now yeah, when they get Demari Monsanto back who got hurt playing us last year in PNC. Mm-hmm. Um They'll be even better. But so to get them at home when they're not full strength is an opportunity that we need to take advantage of. Um, Their guards are incredible. I mean, incredible. Wake has three people inside the top 15 in scoring in the ACC, um, which is insane because nobody else in the ACC has more than one. Or three inside the top 10, I believe. Yeah, three inside the top ten, and nobody else in the ACC has more than one. Um, and that's led by Hunter Salas, Gonzaga transfer, uh, averaging about eighteen a game. You know he he's really shown improvement. I mean, like insane improvement from when he was at Gonzaga. Some of that is is um, just opportunity. Forbes has shown that he has a track record of you know getting insane. Uh, improvements from his transfers, whether it was Alondis Williams, Jake Laravia, and and then Tyree Appleby last year. like He's the portal whisperer. Um, and yeah, Salas is such a fluid scorer. He really is able to score at each levels. And at all three levels, he's an extreme athlete jumping out of the gym, dunking on people while also shooting almost 40% from three. Um, so, yeah, we really have to to pressure him, especially um, in their loss to FSU. He turned the ball over six times, and he looked like he couldn't even dribble the ball. So if we're able to really get up in his airspace and bother him, I think we'll have a good, good chance of uh, containing him. Um, next... I want to talk about uh, Kevin Boopy Miller, as they call him. Um, Six-foot guard from uh, – he's a transfer from Central Michi- Michigan. Another guy who, I mean, watching him, he reminds me a lot of of Jarkel. Um, super quick. I mean, 100% going to be the quickest guy on the floor really loves the mid-range, you know, setting his guy up, stepping back in the mid-range and just knocking it down. Um, But he's also shown an ability to create off the bounce, averaging about four assists a game. And, yeah, I mean, he is the catalyst. I mean, when he's not on the court, Wake really struggles to score. So if we're able to, you know – take him off the dribble because he he's he is listed as six foot, but he's not six foot. Um so if we're able to take him off the dribble and you know get him into foul trouble, that's another another key to uh success against them. Um uh next I mean like I said they got one of the most insane starting fives. So I got Cam Cam Hildreth also averaging over sixteen points a game. He's their glue. And it's crazy to say a glue guy is averaging 16 points. But he's their best defender. And he, he was their most improved player from two years ago. And now he's the most improved player on the team. His three-point percentage has gone up about 10% from last year to this year. Um, and he is relentless. Just unlimited energy, um, getting to the basket, running people off screens. Um, and, yeah, I mean, he's he's really good as well.
0: He was good last year, too. He, yeah, I
1: mean, and he got better.
0: Uh, yeah, I watched – I think I saw a little bit in the FSU game. He just
1: – he can do whatever he wants. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's tough. It's tough to guard. It's tough to guard a guy who who years past you're like, Okay, we'll sag off him. And if he wants to drive to the basket, fine. He and this year he's just I mean, against um Virginia Tech, he had I think it was five three he had five threes, like five of seven, like and they weren't easy shots. Like heat checks, like Turquavion. And it, it's crazy for a guy who you wouldn't expect to do that to you know, hit those shots. Um and yeah, uh next we'll talk about Andrew Carr. Um six six he's listed at six nine, but he's more six eleven, seven footer. Um averaging 13 points, eight rebounds. Um he's not going to take you off the dribble. He's not gonna post you up. He's gonna get offensive rebounds, he's gonna get you know kick out threes. And he's been really, really relentless on the glass this year. Um, I I think, I really don't think we will start um, Dennis Parker against them on Tuesday. I really don't think they should because uh, just the size mismatch Mm -hmm. um, on the glass, especially. Um, But yeah, I mean, solid three-point shooter. Really good, really versatile defender. Uh, he leads the team in blocks. You know, just another another glue guy who Forbes got out of the portal from Delaware, I believe. Um, and it's developed him uh into the into a really solid uh fourth option on this team. Uh next we'll get to talking about Efton Reed really quickly. Six eleven Center transfer from Gonzaga again, another Gonzaga guy. Um, he was another two time transfer, got ruled eligible in about mid mid December, and they're seven and one since he's uh was became eligible. He is the anchor defensively, and he is a big, 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 big concern for me because last year, the way we beat them was giving Burns the ball. Burns had 31 at wake. And he's not going to be able to move this guy. He is strong. He's only listed as 238 pounds. He's not. He is much bigger than that. He's got to be at least 260. And he is straight muscle. And he is very, very. He's similar to Burns in the way, you know, some bigs are just trying to overpower you he's finesse on the offensive end right looking for his jump hook he can step out and hit a three um but yeah i mean he's he is their anchor and you know they're not a superb defensive team but ever since they got him back they have been a a very very solid defensive team um and one more player that I want to talk about is freshman guard Parker Fredrickson, and he is a sniper. I mean, one of the purest shooters I think I've ever seen. Um, we've had some good ones here at state, and he reminds me of Scott Wood. I'm not kidding. Dude is elite. Has a quick, quick release and. He's not your typical you know defensive liability when you're talking about shooters. he's able to sit down and guard the ball, guard the ball which is why he's been able to play he's shooting almost 45 percent from three I believe um and that's not it's not a ton of attempts either so he's he's super super efficient um and yeah we just gotta not let him get open looks you can't help off of him. Even a little bit, he'll make us pay. And yeah, but the the keys for us this game definitely are going to be um forcing forcing them to turn the ball over. Um in their lost FSU, they turned the ball over 20 times, um, ended up losing by five. And if we're able to any any way replicate that. It, it should be a good opportunity for us to come away with the victory. Uh, and against Virginia, which they ended up, you know, beating Virginia by uh, 19, they turned the ball over 17 times. So if, if those two teams can turn the ball over or t- make Wake turn the ball over 15 plus times, then we need to at least replicate what Virginia did, you know? Yeah.
0: Yeah. I think another thing just pretty quickly is we need to, not let them get on the free throw line either. They're third in the nation and shooting about eighty percent from the line. So yeah. get them off the charity stripe. Force them to get tough shots. Do not foul for the love of God. Jaden Taylor, do not foul for the love of God.
1: And that and yes, yeah, so I I, I hope that Jaden isn't on on Boopy Miller because he really is a he baits a bunch of fouls. Mm-hmm. He'll, he'll get in front of you. He'll beat you off the dribble and then he'll stop. And pick up a cheap foul, um, right? And yeah, I mean, good opportunity for a win. One more thing is the that we need to really focus in on is after timeouts and baseline out of bounds. Uh, Forbes is a mastermind when it comes to getting points off of those situations. Um, whether it's set, getting a wide open layup, wide open three, um, and that's something that Keith struggles with, of course. Um, but yeah, just limiting the easy opportunities for them will help, obviously, lead to a Wolfpack win. Yeah, we got to take care of business. Just oh, yeah. I mean, this business. is this is a big opportunity for us. I mean, it could be it could easily be a quad one win for us.
0: Yeah, we know we quad one wins. They help in March. We just yep. just beat the teams that we know we can beat, and not put us in a situation where we have to beat a highly ranked that where it depend where our March Madness lives depend on us beating a highly ranked dupe team or UNC team or yeah on the road.
1: Absolutely. Um. Next, we will get into talking about um, Virginia Tech. Um, we play on Saturday. You know they're super solid, ten and six on the year. They've dealt with some injuries. I know Padula was out for four or five games. Um, Couture missed their loss against um, Miami on 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 Sat on this past Saturday. Um, but they seem to be playing better after a blowout loss to Wake and a loss on the road to FSU. Um, they're currently 52 in the net, another quad two opportunity for the pack. And, you know, Mike Young always has really good offensive teams, and but they're normally pretty mediocre when it comes to the defensive end in terms of defensive efficiency. Um, but, they, the, but that's because they limit the amount of sh- uh, shot attempts because they play at a super slow pace. I think they're ranked 267 in pace of play another team where we have to be aware of after timeouts and um, baseline out of bounds uh, where Virginia tech will look to get easy baskets. Um, they have yet to win on the road this year, but they have three quad one wins. So this is another good opportunity for us to get a solid win.
0: Yeah. And it'll be tough on the, it'll be tough, but we'll, we'll, we'll need PNC to be rocking these, these next two games. Cause this will, this will be a big, determining factor in kind of how
1: the rest of this acc and season go this is either a re- these two games this week are resume builders or resume killers we lose both resume just does not look good we, we win both you get another two quad two wins maybe quad one if wake you know goes on a tear if they get healthy and get when they get monsanto back and get a little more healthy um yeah yeah it'll be good and you know
0: one the the guy that Starts with it all is uh, Sean Padula, the six-one guard. He's, you know, their leading score, 16 a game, four assists a game, It leads the team. Um, he's been on an absolute tear the last three games, though. He's averaging 30 points a game and four assists a game and shooting above 55% from the field. So this guy is their go-to option. He, the, he will be the guy that they look forward to when they need a bucket. Unfortunately state I think is still in that state of mind where they aren't really sure who our guy is going to be as far as who can get a bucket in a desperate time when we need one. This is the guy for Virginia Tech that will most likely be taking over a game if his team is not doing very well. As far as mid-range goes, he's, he struggles a little bit in in that category but You know we got to, so we got to make sure that we drive off, we we close off his ability to drive to the basket, and we got to eliminate, eliminate his opportunity for creating other opportunities for his other teammates to score the ball because he, he's a because he draws so much attention. He is there. He is there. heart and soul of their squad he will draw so much attention from our defense that we are needing are needing to be able to be aware of the other playmakers that they have on their on their team he is averaging about three turnovers a game so if we can get you know michael o'connell Jaden taylor just to put some pressure on him full court pressure get him uncomfortable make him make bad decisions it's been the statement all year You've heard us say it many a times. If we can force the amount of turnovers that our defense does, we can get easy baskets and then capitalize on those opportunities. So that's going to be a huge, huge piece in us potentially being able to beat Virginia Tech. And another guy we got to watch out for is their 6'10 center, Lynn Kidd. He is definitely the most improved player on this Hokies roster. He was averaging five points and three rebounds to now 15 points and seven rebounds per game. Obviously, being at six ten center, he's not going to be a shooting threat from deep. You know, so that'll help DJ not being able to move out towards a three point line if DJ Burns is guarding him. But DJ Burns will be able to stay in the paint and not have to move out as much, whereas other teams are have been able to tire him out quicker. So that'll be a big emphasis point in making sure that, you know, DJ can get the amount of minutes that he wants to be playing. Despite him, despite kid not being very. A, a deep threat, he is very mobile, so. They're going to try to expose DJ Burns on pick and rolls, we would assume, just like how other teams have done that, especially in the Carolina game where DJ just really could not keep up with the pick and roll between um, Cadeau and Davis and Baycott and all those guys. So Um, when we played the Virginia tech last year in our two, in the two games, he averaged about 10 points and three rebounds, but he was uh, limited in minutes, even though he shot 83% from the field. So making sure that we make him uncomfortable Get make him make tough shots. You know, get maybe double him in the post. Get get him out of his comfort zone. Don't, don't let him do too much movement on offense. You know, this will be a big testament to really show how well DJ Burns can defend that pick and roll. I mean, we we've seen it. It's been a little tough this year watching him do that. But if he can do that well in this game, I like our chances at the end. Um, yeah,
1: um Kid really isn't I don't I don't think they're gonna have him posting up too often. It's gonna be a bunch like tons and tons and tons and tons of screens, pick and rolls, stuff like that, because he's he's not the strongest. Um so I don't think he'll be able to back Burns down uh like at all. Um but yeah, I mean he's he's really good. I mean he's really good at finishing around the rim, but we we just have to eliminate him by pressuring the ball i mean if dj if the pick and roll coverage is drop coverage against when uh, padula has the ball where you know you're wanting him to to stop and pop in that mid range and you know dj can stay stay at home with um with kid on the roll you know that that bodes well for us but you can't do that on everybody because then you're giving up you know more open three opportunities for guys like um, Hunter Couture, the six foot three sharp shooter, averaging 13 and a half points per game, shooting about 41% from three. Um, We don't know whether or not he's going to play Saturday, um, but I would expect him to because he was a game time decision. um, This past Saturday against Miami did not play, but, you know, being a game time decision, you would think with the week he would end up playing on Saturday. Um, over his career, we have done a great job learning him to get open shots off screens. You know, Casey has been the been the guy on him over the years, and I expect that um to continue Saturday. Um
0: yeah, yeah absolutely.
1: Yeah, I mean, then next we want to talk about Tyler Nichol, six seven transfer from UNC, averaging nine points on thirty eight percent from three. Another guy who shoots the ball extremely well. And, you know, being a UNC transfer, I would expect him to have some some more juice for that game in PNC on Saturday. And he's very capable um, of having a humongous game twenty four points against a really good Clemson defense. Eight eleven for the game, five of seven from behind the arc. Another guy we just like Couture, where we, we just have to make him uncomfortable on the catch, make him make him, you know, take a dribble to to the basket, or make him try to create create a shot rather than just a a simple catch and shoot jumper.
0: Yeah, you gotta make it, gotta make it tough, man. And you know, if we can find a way to win the game, it's going to be with turnovers because, like we said, Padula is one of the leaders in the ACC as far as turnovers per game and VT averages about 12 a game. So if we can make sure that they are not getting the opportunities that they want on offense, you know, our our defense has been pretty decent all, all season long. I mean, forcing Carolina only 67 points when they average quite a bit per game. It's, you see that side of things, and you think to yourself, okay, like our defense isn't that bad. Yes, we do give up some pretty careless mistake bu- buckets here and there, and you know every team will at some point. But forcing, we need to force a lot more turnovers in order to be able to play this Keats philosophy, where we get you know it's the run and gun, and we so, get the
1: easy baskets. We get we don't have to score the ball in the half court if we turn if we force turnovers. We force live ball turnovers. We do not have to score in the half court. We can get shots in transition where we are more successful as a team.
0: Yeah, um, and that starts by speeding up the game.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I talked about it earlier. Um, they play at a super, super, super slow pace. They're 267 in pace of play, but they're 343rd out of and 66 or 67 teams um in terms of field goal attempts per game. So when they get the ball in the half court, they're going to run some type of set and they're super successful at it because they are they score about 70 76 points a game, 74, which is a ton for being a super slow paced team. That that is super impressive. Um and that Goes back to, uh, you know, limiting using baskets off of off of set plays like after timeout, baseline base, baseline out of bounds plays. Mike Young is another guy. Uh, I know Steve Forbes and Mike Young used to do battle in the in the SoCon, SoCon, yeah, SoCon. That's uh, both of them. Mike Young was at a uh, Wofford before he came to Virginia Tech when they were. And they made the tournament a couple years and they had that super electric uh three-point shooter shooting right. team. Mm-hmm. Um and yeah, so they they he is very good at getting layups and and open threes out of these set plays. So we cannot fall asleep and give them easy baskets. You know, we need to limit those boneheaded mistakes where We aren't communicating and talk like we just talk on defense. We switch one through four. That needs to continue. And if we do, Virginia Tech has struggled on the road. So this should be a game. This is a game I'm more confident that we can win compared to the game on Tuesday.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. And thankfully, both of these are at home to kind of start out so we can use that momentum to begin more of acc play and these two games obviously this week we've mentioned it before these are these are crazy crazy important games for us to we're basically we have to control our own destiny at this point you know we, we've oh, already yeah. lost to carolina we, just you know, win baby just, just win, win baby win al davis said it best uh that i just looked at i just was trying to remember the name the Wofford
1: sharpshooter Fletcher McGee. Fletcher what McGee. I I was gonna I knew it was Fletcher, I couldn't remember his last name. God, what a name, dude. Fletcher McGee. Yeah, I mean, that was amazing watching that a few years ago. Oh yeah. I mean, wow. and Mike they play similar to that. They they don't quite shoot as many threes as they did back then, but I mean, they still have a bunch of guys who are efficient three-point shooters. Mm-hmm.
0: You know, it'll be a tough test but we're we're looking forward to it uh do you have anything else you want to add before we head out of here
1: uh i think we covered it all i mean just you gotta play i mean every game in the acc play you gotta play well if you're gonna look to pick up a win so hopefully we get to see more of what we saw against louisville rather than what we saw against carolina
0: amen brother just win baby win just win, baby, win. All right, guys. Well, thank you again. This has been another episode of the Howlin Hoops podcast. We appreciate all of our listeners. Uh wherever you are. We appreciate the support. We we're looking forward to a great rest of our the season. Looking for state to bounce back in all these all these games from from here to there to anywhere and we, we we appreciate you guys tuning in to us uh, week by week just to listen to us chat about state basketball we're <laughs> we're no we're no we're no experts but we sure do love the pack so we, we appreciate you guys listening and uh thank you guys and go pack go pack